Good morning. And uh, Happy New Year. Is it, uh, is it too late to say Happy New Year? When does it, uh, when does it become too late? Next New Year's. And someone at the 8 o'clock service say, tomorrow. It's too late. Well, it's certainly not too late this morning, our first Sunday together at least uh, in the new year. And uh, Rebecca and the band, thank you. I can think of uh, no greater place to start the new year than focusing on Jesus. Amen? And um, what, did you, uh, what did you all do um, New Year's Eve? Nothing, fell asleep. It's a real party crowd here at West Bowl. Although the older I get, the more I find um, it's a real battle to stay awake until midnight, isn't it? It's like, um, I don't know, it gets later and later I, as I get older and older. How many, of you, um, how many of you tuned in again to watch the ball drop in New York? Yeah, well, probably three out of every four of you. Did you ever stop to wonder about that tradition? Um, I did, just to entertain myself, trying to make it to midnight. <laughs> what a strange thing. You know, why is there a ball? Does anybody know? I tried to research it a little bit. and I thought, it, What is this ball that they spend I think, north of a million dollars making? And, and, and why, uh, why does it drop? You know, why, you know it's, why doesn't it start at the bottom and then as the count goes on, you know, just blast off like a rocket? And I was thinking, I said, well, maybe the ball drops. Is it supposed to be like uh, the last grain of sand, like in an hourglass? I have no idea why. Um, I have no idea that that might be true, but it seems like that'd be a pretty good backstory if it's not, right? Let's make it that. But, um, but what a strange thing. It's like I find myself here, I'm, I'm watching this ball again. And when's it going to drop, you know, and counting down. And what a strange thing to have our attention. And then I was thinking, the, the whole New Year's Eve phenomenon, not, not even just the ball, but when you think about it, you know, there's really nothing magical or really nothing objectively different about midnight on December 31 as opposed to any other day, right? It's just an arbitrary day. I mean, I know it was 365 days away from the last time, but we could have picked anything to, any day to, to talk about the time that the earth made it around the sun one more time. Why? Why December 31? And, and then as far as our lives are concerned... You know, uh, nothing magical about January 1. It's just the next day in our long uh, line of days that make up our life, right? And so why, uh, why is New Year's Eve so exciting and um, filled with anticipation? Is it just because, you know, at some point, uh, different governments or something decided it would be and we're just all going along with it? 
I mean, um, that's why it's a special midnight, right? Because we choose, we choose to make that moment in time special. There's really no other reason that it's special to us except humanity in different cultures around the globe, although some are on a different calendar, the Chinese New Year, for example, but almost every human culture, they pick a time and, and, and they choose this time is going to be special. And why do, why do people choose a time to be special in that way every year, do you think? As I was thinking about that question, I, I, I have a possible answer. See what you think. I, think. I think the reason why almost every culture sets aside that, that, that special night of great anticipation is because people deep inside of us, we have a deep desire and even a need, really, that we have a new beginning. And that desire and need is so great that we actually just made up and we created a holiday uh, to have this pretend get a new beginning because we want one so badly. We want it so badly to have a new beginning, a, a, a fresh start, a second chance, a clean slate, a, a do-over, another try, another go. That once a year we, we totally make up a moment in time that, that okay, that's officially going to happen right now at the stroke of midnight because we so badly want a new beginning. That's why I think that the New Year's Eve is, is such a big deal to people, that it marks, however arbitrary it is, uh, okay, this is gonna be a, a chance to start over. And, and that chance hits something very deep inside of every one of us, a, a, a need to, okay, let's try this again, a need for a new beginning. We spent um, New Year's Eve uh, this year down in Florida. We were there um, with my sister's family and my parents to celebrate their 50th wedding anniversary. And um, we started out in Orlando and did the Disney thing for three days and it's going to take me about three months, I think, to recover. Um, for those of you planning on going, uh, we went to Universal one day and saw the new Harry Potter thing. Um, let me tell you, if you suffer at all from motion sickness, don't go see the new Harry Potter thing. Oh, my goodness. But uh, I, I did it. I suffer from motion sickness, and that pushed me pushed me to the limit, and I knew at any time in the ride I, I could close my eyes and get some relief, but I so badly wanted to see it. So it's like, <laughs> really enjoying this ride. When's it gonna end? And it's really something. They put you in this, they put you in this um, box, um, like, a, like a roller coaster box with four next to you, and they strap you in. And at one point in the ride, I could look to the side and see the box next to mine, and the boxes are on this great big robotic arm. If my hand's the box where four people are sitting. And the arm is just doing this. 
yeah, it's quite amazing because it's heavy and the thing's moving effortlessly. And in front of you are all these big 3D virtual reality screens. And much of the ride you spend uh, as if you're on one of those brooms uh, following Harry Potter zipping through the air in the, uh, you know, uh, on the broom. And it's really fascinating to do once. <laughs> and um, so we survived Disney, and then we went uh, to a little more uh, tranquil place. And the place where we stayed, um, it has a golf course right behind it. One of the, uh, a hole of a golf course goes right behind our porch. And right next to the hole is this huge pond which has these two huge alligators in it, by the way. Um, has nothing to do with the story, but they're in there. Um, well, one day I was, uh, I was sitting on the porch last week, and I was thinking about uh, the message this morning, and um, I got distracted. I got distracted uh, by watching the golfers come by, group after group after group, hitting their balls. And I discovered that just sitting there watching these golfers negotiate this fairway and this pond was really very entertaining and, and amusing. And, of course, the most amusing part is when these golfers, after going through their whole setup, you know, it's like they're going to do brain surgery or something, right? It's like it's this and it's this and everything's just so. And it's like, okay, and it's a practice swing. And it's another practice swing. And it's like, it's hit it. You know, and the most amusing part by far, and I feel like this is a bit of a confession to you, but the most amusing part by far is after all of that and everything just set, they, when they hit the ball and it goes into the water. <laughs> now, if you play golf, you know that when you hit your ball into the water, there's nothing amusing about it at all, but I found watching someone else do it is really, really funny. And that's probably not very pastoral on my part uh, to laugh at someone else's misfortune, but hey, I was on vacation. So, <laughs> so anyway, as I'm watching and, and, and chuckling, you know, it's like one out of every two golfers was hitting the ball into the water. And I had thought I'd go in there and get those balls, but that's why they have those alligators in there, so I'm not going anywhere near there. Um... So uh, finally a golfer came along, and it's this, this big, huge, burly guy, and his name was Bob. And he came up to his golf ball, and it was very close to where I was sitting on the porch. So I'm quiet, and they can't actually even see me there because of the angle of the screen. And he goes through his whole routine, and he takes his shot, and let me, let me give you the, the, the two sounds that I heard in rapid succession when Bob hit his golf ball. The two sounds I heard were, whack, splash! He just lined that thing right, in, right into the water. And so then as I, I'm trying not to laugh out loud, I hear the guy say, he says, oh, Bob. That's how I knew his name. And I stopped laughing, and I thought, and I watched this man after having been transformed from 
being hopeful and, and, and tedious about setting up his golf shot and, 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 and optimistic. And this is going to be a great shot. And I can see him visioning it, going right where he wanted to, into the hole on this par four. And, and then, oh, Bob, when it didn't turn out like he wanted it to. And he was absolutely just the picture of someone forlorn. His shoulders slumped, and his, his golf club is in his, his hand. And right at that moment, his playing partner, who is sitting in the cart next to him, um, calls out to Bob. And what he said suddenly made me think about uh, the message again this morning. Because the man calls out to this forlorn golfer, Bob. He says, that's okay, Bob. Go ahead. Take a mulligan. And if you're a golfer or know anything about golf, then you know that the word mulligan is the golf word for the biblical word grace. (laughs) (laughs) And there's such great theology in golf. There really is. And at the word grace, at the word mulligan, I saw Bob transformed again. And he says back to his friend, are you sure? And his friend says, absolutely, Bob. Go ahead, hit another one. Now Bob is filled with hope and resolve and all that new life came. He reached into his bag for another ball. He was smiling, smiling. He said, thanks, he says to his friend and I grabbed my laptop back to me as he was setting up his shot again. I knew I had a few minutes. (laughs) And, And I typed out on the laptop these words. Bob is smiling because he has a chance at a new beginning. A chance at a new beginning made all the difference. Now, uh, Bob didn't do much with his new beginning. He hit his second ball even further into the water and then muttered something I couldn't quite hear, and by the looks of him, I really didn't want to hear what he muttered. But um, at least Bob got um, a chance at at, at a new beginning. And as I watched um, Bob and his friend drive off in their golf cart, I had two thoughts. The first thought, and this will give you some insight into how my, my, my mind works and how I think, My first thought was, where on earth did the term mulligan come from? That's just how my mind works. I actually spent some time researching it. Really doesn't matter, but I'm going to share it with you anyway. Apparently there are these stories of three different guys in the history of golf whose last name was Mulligan. And apparently these men hit lots of second shots, and so... The term mulligan came to mean hitting another shot, and um, that's one theory. Another theory I saw that I think uh, uh, has a little more chance of actually being true is uh, before they invented the golf tee, um, in order to um, tee up their ball, a golfer would take the, the, the head of his club or her club and, and, and pound it into the grass a little bit and create a little mound. 
um, to put the ball on top of, and that mound in Old English or Scottish or Irish or whatever it is, that, that mound is called a mull, M-U-L-L. And as the story goes, when someone would tee his ball up on a mull and, and hit the shot, if it didn't go well, what became a saying in golf was, the golfer would say, oh, I'm going to mull it again. And hence the term uh, mulligan uh, was born. This is all very fascinating, isn't it? Whatever the origin, you get the idea. Um, a do-over, a, a new beginning. The second thought um, that I'd like to just spend the last few minutes together um, reflecting on with you this morning, the second thought uh, I had was, um, wouldn't it be nice if uh, life gave us a mulligan sometimes? Do you ever find yourself um, in the course of your life, uh, even in the course of a day, ever wanting a do-over? Um, want to take back something you said? wish you hadn't done what you had done, uh, wish you had done something different or had said something different at that moment in time, wish you could go back and, and, and redo that. I don't know of anyone um, who wouldn't want that chance, at least um, from time to time. And well, here's the thing uh, for this morning's uh, New Year's uh, Sunday, I guess we could call it. Um, here's the gospel for us this morning, um, the good news. And the good news is, is that in Christ Jesus, God offers us all a new beginning. And not just on New Year's Day. Not just one moment of time, uh, midnight on the 31st, but he offers a new beginning every moment of every day, all the time. And he's standing there ready to fill that deep, often desperate human need for a new beginning He's standing there ready to satisfy that if we only let him in Christ Jesus all the time. And here's the thing with God's offer of a new beginning. He not only offers the mulligan, he just doesn't offer a new beginning. He goes further than that because he promises that if we accept his offer at a new beginning. If we surrender ourselves, as we just sang about this morning to him, for a new beginning, the one key way that makes all the difference where our new beginning will really be new is that he promises that he'll make us new. God offers us a new beginning that includes us being transformed and changed. So we'll do a better job of it the next time we mull it again. 
Where can we find this in Scripture? It's all over. I found a couple of passages I'll share with you. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Or how about Paul in Romans 12? Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That phrase, renewing of your mind, can mean lots of things, but one of the things it means is we look at things differently now in Christ, even uh, with a hopefulness that we can indeed be transformed. And then also in 2 Corinthians, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. And we've got a chance. Anytime that we want to accept it from the Lord, at being transformed, the Greek word behind transformed there is the same word that we get uh, metamorphosis from. So it's not just a small change here and there. It's completely changed, like when a caterpillar metamorphosizes into a butterfly. You can't even tell that uh, the new creation even came from the old. It's that new. It's that much more wonderful. It's that different. Complete change, something that's utterly new. And here's the other thing with God's transformation of us. Did you catch it? It's a process over time. And it's a process that includes us, includes our effort. We're being transformed into his image, Paul says. And certainly, God is powerful enough he could snap his fingers and change us in an instant. But he prefers to patiently partner with us and allow us to make the choices, make the effort to join him in our transformation, using his power to be sure, because we can't do it on our own, but we need to get after it ourselves. We need to go all in. We need to completely allow him to transform us because he won't do it against our will normally. He won't normally do it without our effort combined with his. It's been said that there are three kinds of people. Three kinds of people are those who make it happen, those who watch it happen, and then those who ask, what just happened? And struck me when I read that, you know, while there may be three kinds of people, for those of us who know the Lord and those of us who are in Christ, we're really some amazing combination of all three of those types of people, aren't we, as we're being transformed. We're making it happen, and as we make progress, we see it happening and watch it happen, and then when we make progress at all, we step back and we say, wow. What just happened here? But a first step is to make it happen. And maybe on this um, New Year's um, uh, week where the ball did its magic, 
and we're all feeling, at least culturally, you know, a chance to start over again, maybe that's the time to ask the question in Christ, will you choose again this year? Will you choose again every day to make it happen, so help you God? And the it I'm talking about is this transformation into being more like Jesus. You know, I checked on my phone, which I left in my office, pretend I have my smartphone, I checked, you know, as much as we'd like it, there's no transformation app. It's not plug and play. Transformation into being more like Jesus, it takes work and it takes time and it takes patience while we're all being transformed. The movie Les Mis is out. How many of you have seen it yet? And be careful about talking about it too much because I know many of you want to see it. And for the last five years or so, I've been playing with a, a sermon series using some of the themes, the biblical themes that Les Mis highlights so well. But let me say this this morning for this piece. The principal character, Jean Valjean, he's the type of man who chooses to make it happen. And the impact of his decision to go all in and to make himself new, the impact that that had not only on him, but on the people around him in his life is simply astonishing. And we can have that same astonishing impact on people who are a part of our lives. But before we can do that, we have to escape from the safety and comfort of mediocrity. Because that's a safe place to stay. I know that's one that I struggle with deeply. It's safer. I don't have to, uh, uh, when I don't risk at all, I'm not risking things like failure. And then with failure, right, when we try to be more like Jesus and we, we botch it up, with failure that wants to bring along with it, with the devil pushing it, things like guilt and despair and loss of hope that the devil hurls at us uh, when we fail. You can't do it. You're in too deep. You're, you stink. This pattern in your life, it, it's hopeless. It's too late for you. Nothing's ever going to change. And on and on and on he whispers. An advice I'd like to give you this morning if you experience that in areas that you want to change, don't listen to them because it's a lie. There is nothing that God's power in Christ can't change and can't completely change. You are never in too deep for God, never. So push back against his lies and turn to God and try again knowing that the one who tries together with you loves you more deeply and understands you more than you can ever hope to understand yourself. He knows the pain and the struggle and difficulty it is to overcome sin and to truly be transformed into the image of his son. And he's so extremely patient with us. He knows it's a process something the devil seeks to make us forget when there's not immediate success. So my question for all of us, West Bulls, is will we risk 
all that? Will we risk that effort? Will we risk even failure and setbacks along the way? And make as our New Year's resolution, you know what, this year I'm going to go all in with God's plan to truly transform me into the image of his son. Where in your life would you most like transformation? If you could change something, if you could have a do-over, what would you want to do over? My list includes several things, but I'll tell you, when I first asked myself that question, on my list, uh, prominently on my list, uh, lots of relationships showed up that I have with people. How about with your list? Things that I'd like to do different. Things I wish I would have done differently when it comes to other people in my life. And the principal person in my life is my wife, Jill. And uh, in my marriage, man, there are things that I wish I could do over. And it's easy to feel hopeless that it's um, too late. I know uh, Brad mentioned that Love and Respect conference on February 8 and 9. Um, I want to tell all of you here, whether married or not, um, in my opinion, uh, this is a must-attend. Go to it. Guys who are dating, guys who are married, this is a slam-dunk Valentine's gift. You get online, you purchase those tickets, you give her those tickets and come spend a Friday evening and a Saturday morning and go to a seminar with her. It will make her year. She'll even be gladder that you've done that than if you were planning on getting her an iPhone 5. Yes, even that. <laughs> Just do it. Hey, that weekend will be fresh off feeling euphoric off a Denver Broncos Super Bowl win. Right? It's perfect. Okay, someone said not the Steelers. <laughs> I forgive you. <laughs> it's perfect timing. Would you come? Do it. We're partnering with four churches. This auditorium is going to fill up fast as uh, those pastors and leadership start to really open this up to the. Do it today. Loveandrespect.com. You'll find where um, the Egeriches are going to be here at West Bowles. Um, do it today. You know, I really appreciated uh, last week uh, Nathan's homework assignment that he gave to us. His homework assignment, if you would recall, um, I hope you've been working on it. I know I have. Um, was for us to think of someone, think of one person at least in our life that we could show more grace to. And maybe because of the golf story, someone we could uh, hand out some mulligans to. And how's that going? Not just the thinking about who that person is, but have you done anything about it yet? What else in your life might you want transformed? Where else would you like a, a new beginning? Is there a certain sin in your life that has a hold of you by the neck? And if you're like me in response to that question, you say, yeah, which one? Which sin? In Paul's words, uh, it's ever before us, isn't it, our sin? 
Well, are you willing to continue to do battle against that sin? Go all the way with God's power and defeat it in your life by surrendering to him. Take the steps necessary to make that happen with God's power and do it. And just see if he doesn't come running. Just see if he doesn't hike up his robes like the father of the prodigal son when he sees you even turn toward him and take one step. Just see if he doesn't come running in power to help you and to give you what you need in that process of being transformed into Jesus and watch him do it. And once he's done it, look back and you can say together with all of us, what just happened? Let's resolve to go all in, beginning today if you haven't yet, to go all in for our resolution this year of being transformed into the image of Jesus, because then it'd be a happy new year indeed, wouldn't it? Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, when we pick up your book, when we pick up your words, the very first words we read is that you were there in the beginning. And as we continue to read, we read that you are there in every new beginning, and in the middle, and in the end. Father, I know, because I feel it myself, sometimes of the frustration and the disappointment and disillusionment and despair and loss of hope when the transformation doesn't happen as quickly as I wish it would. In the face of that push, Father, from the devil to discourage us, from your task, Father, to partner with us in transforming us into Jesus, Father, in the face of that, would you please push back against his lies, his lies and strengthen that resolve in us again anew to truly become more and more like Jesus in all of our relationships and all that we say and all that we do and every decision we make of every day. Father, help us in our resolve to become more and more like Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Would you stand, please, for the benediction this morning? It comes from the book of Revelation, where the apostle John is given a stunning revelation. And at one point, John turns, and this is what he sees. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Do you believe it in Jesus' name? Amen. Have a great day. God bless you all.